Uh, or we, we're recording and we're streaming to multiple platforms. I don't know. I, I've tried this before. I'll get better at it. Um, but we'll see. This is Theology Unplugged. I'm Michael Patton. And we are going to do uh, Theology Unplugged today. If you're joining us from somewhere, I don't know where this is going. I think it's going to YouTube. I think it's going to Facebook. I don't know. But I'm supposedly, I can see your chat up here. So if you send me a chat, you, uh, you s- say something in the chat, that would be nice if you can, just so I can see whether it's working. But anyway, we're going to be uh, doing a little bit of different thing today, although we haven't started back up for long enough to say we're doing much different thing. But we're going to be talking about uh, my blog that I wrote just a few days ago, because I think it's important for everybody on Theology Unplugged, if you're coming to us from a Theology Unplugged catcher, um, not from YouTube or from from one of the other sources that I usually don't do it from, Theology Unplugged. We've been doing this since 2006. Some of you guys have been listening since 2006, and you've wondered the question. But first, before I do that, I want to tell everybody that is... That is... Uh, uh, on YouTube, or however you do it, subscribe. Subscribe and click that button so that you can get a a message every time that we go live or that we put a new recording out. So what I want to talk about is <laughs> the question, where I have been for the last 10 years. I know a lot of you guys have wondered. You see, it's not that I've been completely absent, but you see me a lot less than you did before, and I... I produce a lot less new stuff than I used to before. And I think it's important to explain this. And basically what I'm going to do during this podcast is read and comment on my blog I wrote. And the blog you can find at credohouse.org. And it says, where have I been for the last 10 years and why am I back? And I hopefully, I, I really am back. I do see this. I would not have done this, written this blog, unless there's a reason to tell that I feel like I have been healed or overcome the problem that I've had. It's a really interesting problem. It's a crazy problem. But uh, let me let me start with this. Just reading. Why did I virtually disappear from the public for 10 years? And why have I been doing so much lately? That's a good question. I'm going to try to answer it as briefly as possible. Now, I'm going back in time here. My father died in 2013 at the age of 50, 66. While that was hard on the entire family, it's not really the reason for my absence. I was hooked on hydrocodone, as many of you guys know, for six years, oxycodone as well. I advanced later on. But this is, not, uh, this is also not the reason for my reclusiveness. I thought it was for a long time, but after I stopped the drugs in 2017, my thoughts that I could change the world were still gone. That's kind of the focus of this, you know, the thoughts that I could change the world. I'm a, I'm a loose cannon in a lot of ways, and I lost the loose cannonness, and I'm glad to get it back. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. That light is banging there. Um, I'm way ahead of myself. Let me give you some context. Let me go back and tell you a little mini biography. So if any of you have never really heard a mini biography, this is one aspect of my life that I'm focusing on just to answer the question, why am I back? This section is titled, Throwing Things at a Wall and Seeing What Sticks. Let's go back in time a bit. When I was in my teens, I started a lot of businesses and ministries. The first was Blade Runners, a lawn mowing business. I think we got one lawn contract after making hundreds of flyers and putting them on cars in a mall parking lot. 
which we got in trouble for. Uh, then there was an attempt to start a service much like DoorDash. Basically, I wanted to have a delivery service that brought anything and everything to your front door that you needed. That didn't get very far beyond the plans in my head. Then I started one called Adopt-A-Prisoner. I love these names. These are great. Um, this was a service that I would sign people and assign people in the church as pen pals to various prisoners. It didn't get too far. The pastor that I was under at the time thought it was probably a dangerous idea, which maybe it was. I, I don't know. I was just excited because I was talking to some prisoners. Uh, then while I was a fitness trainer for six years in the nineties, I started my own fitness certification program called the all Americans fitness certification program. Came complete with training and extensive quiz. I, I spent a lot of time on this. After I got certified, I thought, let's make one that's more broadly available. It didn't get too far. I think I certified maybe four people, but I still have the whole quiz. At this time, I started a fitness company named Shape Fitness. I designed an amazing logo and started working through its distinctives and mission. I wanted it to be a place where we only focus on helping people lose weight. Ironic, as you can see. And I was uh, the lone employee of Shape and managed to convince only one lady to hire me as our personal trainer. I trained her five times at $20 an hour. No, no one else bit. I took my $100 and moved on to the next great idea. When I was 22... I, start, I wrote a book called Christian Apologetics for the Postmodern World in Three Months. It was around 150 pages and almost got published, but it was ultimately rejected. Looking back, I'm quite glad that it didn't get published. I was just so excited that I had discovered apologetics and had learned that what I believed all my life was true. I mean, really true. My theology just needed a, some time to percolate. Not much was sticking on the wall, but I was throwing. Things were about to get better. I went to Dallas Seminary in 1998. While there at Dallas Seminary, I started the DTSE team, evangelism team, where I and a group of people would go downtown Dallas every Friday and share the gospel. We would train them how to share the gospel, and it was a lot of fun. I won the W.E. Hawkins Jr. Award for Christian Service, and I'm proud of that. Uh, I also, I started while at seminary, I started an in-depth training program that was an extension of Dallas Theological Seminary Center for Biblical Studies. It was essentially a program to help young seminary students get their feet wet teaching. I taught Romans and wrote a small commentary, which I still have and still use. I really appreciated this time uh, for the book for students. And for this, I won the Anna L. Ayer Award for Teaching at Dallas Theological Seminary. This is I, I'm also proud about. From here, as many of you know, a lot of the story, I wrote and taught the theology program while pastor at Stonebrook Community Church in Frisco, Texas. This is an extensive six-course program of systematic theology for lay people. Lynn Wilson, uh, my beloved former secretary who has now passed from cancer, came up with the name. Uh, we had hundreds of thousands of people, we have had hundreds of thousands of people go through the theology program and start it in their church. This At this time, I also began Theology Unplugged. Here we are. Um, and by 2013, Theology Unplugged had 2 million downloads per year. Then I began the parchment and pen, although I think I began the parchment and pen a little bit before Theology Unplugged in 2005. Uh, the parchment and pen blog, 
the first blog I blogged was, um, should Christians play Santa? Which I came down and I said, you know, it's not that big of a deal as long as you, you know, as long as you're teaching people the distinctives and anyway, not going to get into that. This is the blog, uh, the, this blog, Parchment and Pen is the one you're reading now. If you're reading this at credohouse.org, by 2013, I had over 3 million visitors per year to this blog. Now, I left Stonebriar Community Church in 2016 due to the death of my sister and the aneurysm of my mother and the downfall of my father. I felt I needed to move home to Oklahoma City to take care of them. It was at this point I started reclaiming the mind ministries. This was a ministry of theological development for lay people. I simply was so excited about what I learned at seminary. My purpose was to bring theology to everyone. Once I got home to Oklahoma, I needed a place from which to teach. I did not want to teach out of a church as I wanted to have a neutral place to serve all churches, teaching in balance in a balanced, ironic, gracious way. So I started the Credo House Coffee Shop. I thought, everyone loves gourmet coffee. And so let's make a inviting environment which they and let the atmosphere itself be a subtle teaching tool. Credo House Coffee exploded in popularity. We were having people from all over the world come check it out, visiting, waiting, uh, wanting to follow our model. We became no, so known by the Credo the coffee shop, I renamed the entire ministry Credo House Ministries, if you ever wonder why. It's called Credo House Ministries instead of Reclaiming the Mind. From a long time ago, that's the story. And then I show some of the pictures of the Creed House. Creed House is just great. I should have put some up here for YouTube just to flash through, but uh, you can look at it on the blog. In 2012, Christianity Day called and said they wanted to come interview me in Oklahoma at the Credo House. I was chosen to be their who's next in evangelicalism person that month. As someone who grew up with Christianity Day being the premier evangelical information hub, I was proud of that interview. I thought I was the evangelistic scat, <laughs> if you catch my meaning. I or evangelical scat, not evangelistic. Uh, I didn't know what was looming, though, on the horizon. While I was at the Credo House Coffee Shop, I started Credo Courses. While I love to teach theology and am decent at it, listen to humble me, I wanted to expose people to the greatest scholars teaching the greatest subjects on earth, particular subjects that they could teach better than me. So I brought in Dan Wallace to teach an entire course uh, in three days on textual criticism. When we were finished, we had 36 lessons, a student workbook, and a PowerPoint to make available to the public. This was received very well. So we kept scheduling them. I wanted to have 100 within 10 years. That was my plan at the time whenever I started this, 100 courses in 10 years. I scheduled Gary Habermas to teach the historicity of the resurrection, Daryl Bach for the historical Jesus, Mark Hitchcock for the book of Revelation, and many, many more. And it was a lot of fun. I also wrote two books during this time, Increase My Faith, a book to help doubters, and Now That I'm a Christian, a basic introduction to the Christian faith. I did boot camps, wrote curriculum, and created a 10-part New Believers course called the Discipleship Program. Simply put, I was living the dream. Now, up until this point, most of the things I started, maybe 90% failed. Now, I didn't tell you about a lot of the other things I started. My whole point with this was uh, I, I'm just a type of person who starts things. 
Um, this is this. Here, listen to this. The point of everything so far is that I was the type of person who thought he could change the world and didn't let it get me down, and wasn't scared to take chances. Now we move to a transition. Um, the loss of my mother and father. From 2010 to 2013, I was helping my father take care of my mother. She could not talk, walk, or really think. and still can't. Uh, she had much of her frontal lobe removed after the aneurysm. It left her disabled and with the mentality of a child in many ways. So she was is a different mom. None of us wanted to put her in a nursing home, so we all tried our best to take care of her at home, hoping, praying she would recover. And my family ended up moving in with my father in 2011. I, uh, I was basically a full-time caregiver, caregiver as I was the only one strong enough to pick her up and move her and change her. My father spent more and more time at the bar, drinking away the thoughts of the death of his daughter and the essential loss of his wife. I don't know if I mentioned uh, Angie, my sister's suicide. Maybe I did, and it just kind of went past me there. Um... I, I figure that God had me there to save him by showing him the love of Christ in my service to him and my mom. But it didn't do much good. My father died in 2013 of pneumonia. He refused to go to the hospital. By the time we made him, it was too late. In truth, he wanted to die. He was just not wanting to commit suicide the traditional way. He basically drank himself to death. Okay, this is, this is the turning point. Let's go to the multi-stream. There we go. When my life fell apart. After this, I and my family took over my mother's house and cared for her. I should never have done that. If I could go back in time, I would not have. I mean, you got to understand, though. I mean, it was the thing that I thought was best. It was the thing that I thought the Lord put in front of me. Yes, I thought it was the lesser of of the greatness in the sense of, you know, what I could do out in the public, but I thought it was the greater in the sense of what I should do with my mother. I tried my best. My back was already bad deadlifting. My mom, who had become over 200 pounds 10 times a day, made me rely on pain pills. Pain pills. Soon I was completely consumed by them. That's really another story, but it, it's a big part of the story, but not really this story, not the point of this story about why I'm back, because we're going to get to that. The crazy things are still coming, really crazy. <clears throat> it was at this time that I began to lose all drive and initiative, all that stuff that I was before. I just had no confidence in it. Even I, I, I couldn't start things. I didn't want to start things. I, I was too scared to. And, of course, I was too busy uh, being on the drugs and trying to find drugs. I was not starting new projects I was neglect and neglecting old ones. It was uncharacteristic of me. I thought this is what the Lord wanted of me, though. I slept on the couch next to my mom in her room so that I could come to her aid whenever she needed. It was getting hard to sleep in my room with Christy, my wife, anyway. My snoring was getting very loud. I didn't think much of the snoring, but we, you need to remember that. I snored at this point. This is when I started sleepwalking. Now, here's the bizarre story, sleepwalk mania. This is when I started sleepwalking. It became a very significant and dangerous issue. I would sleepwalk just about every night and day. Uh, one time I woke up on the couch with a vague memory of getting my mother up, 
putting her in her wheelchair and taking her out to the car. When I came to, I looked and my mom was not in her hospital bed beside me as she usually was. I ran out to the car and there she was alone in the passenger seat in 14 degree weather. Thankfully, it had only been about 20 minutes, but the horror of what happened was confusing. Why was I sleepwalking so much and what was I going to do next? Let's see here. Soon after this, golly, this is such a skip, but soon after this, we put my mom in a nursing home and moved to our own place. Sleepwalking did not, the sleepwalking did not stop. I would wake up very often while I was falling down. I, along with my wife and my sisters, was so scared I was going to injure myself. And I'm getting ready to injure myself quite a bit. I mean, it was bizarre. Uh, I always knew whenever I was going to sleepwalk, could always tell this this weird kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but it was a feeling I had. Uh, not really a tired feeling, but just something in me that I knew I was going to sleepwalk whenever I did. And uh, sure enough, that's when it would always happen then. Uh, there wasn't much I was neglect. There wasn't much I wasn't neglecting at this time. The Creed House Coffee Shop had declined so much at this point; it was beyond rescue. Of course, its fall was complicated, but my absence in mind and body didn't do it much any favors. That's part of the story of the Credo House and what happened to the Creed House Coffee Shop, not the Creed House Ministries, as it's still going on. But you know, uh, the coffee shop. So many of you wonder what happened to it. This is part of it, and soon I'll tell a little bit more about you know the three components that I think that really brought the coffee shop down and how to how to bring it back because that's part of my plans. I closed it down, but kept all the ministries. Credo courses was still very active around the world, but when Credo House closed, we had no place to film new Credo courses. My blog, which I wrote in every other day, slowly became desert, deserted by me and my readers. The same thing happened with Theology Unplugged. I just did not have any drive, initiative, or hope, much less any ideas to write. Thankfully, there, were enough, there was enough merchandise for my years of activity in the ministry to keep things going, but we were in first gear. They were sustaining me and my family, barely. I have also a very faithful group of supporters who keep donating to me. Uh, they still believed in me for some reason. I could name the names of you guys out there. And it was just amazing to me during all this time that you just kept on believing in me. You knew about the drugs. You knew about so much had been going on. Uh, the, dr- the drugs took their co- toll. I could write about 10 chapters of horrific drug, the horrific drug-induced damage, but I just won't. Uh, just know this. They had significant part in the story of this up till this point. My weight gain, or my weight had become a problem. I gained a significant amount of weight in a very short t- period of time. It was very unlike me. Remember, I was a fitness trainer. And, I mean, it was <laughs> I used to train people on how to lose weight, and I started a business on how to lose weight. Uh, I was gaining so much weight. Why was I gaining so much weight? I thought people on drugs lost weight. I didn't see any change in my eating pattern. Maybe it was depression, I thought. The weight gain did not help my back or the pain pill addiction. 
the decline of my looks from where I was. I'm not, I mean, that, that this may sound odd. I don't mean for it to sound odd, but it is very true for me if you listen to it. The client, I mean, you could be from anywhere, one point to another. But the decline of my looks from where I was to who I'd become became a picture-perfect illustration of what happened over the last six years. I began to stay away from just about all public places in fear of people looking at me and saying, what happened to him in their minds? Uh, that's true, very true. Uh, true even right now. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to get on this camera and do this. The only places I would go uh, are where there were people who didn't know me before the quote-unquote fall. Okay, here we go. The calm before the storm. Yeah, there's a. this is the calm before the storm. The storm hasn't even happened yet. In 2017, I was able to stop the pain pills. Immediately, the sleepwalking stopped. I got a short boost of confidence and things were looking up. I lost a lot of weight and started thinking about trying to get the Credos coffee shop back. But the worst was still yet in front of me. After the shot of nitrous oxide I got from stopping the, the pain pills, God, and that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. By far, I began to head back down. I didn't know why. My initiative had was still timid. I was scared to do anything. I, I figured this was reasonable considering how I felt about myself. I could not believe someone like me could have got, gotten so addicted to something so destructive. My sister, Christy, would try to encourage me to begin to be who I was Swing into all the balls, even if I miss. My daughter, Caitlin, who remembered me from the old days, pushed me and pushed me. Lindsay, my other sister, never quit believing in me and wondered why I had the brakes on. Christy, my wife, who never even thought of leaving me, even in the drug-induced coma I was in, wondered what the problem was now. I did too. Why couldn't I get it together? Why was I so scared? I had lost my calling. Had I lost my calling from the Lord? I seriously wondered about this and had, began, and be, had begun to concede to that point. I was content with it as I thought I deserved it. And true, I mean, easy enough to think maybe, maybe uh, something's happened where you're not, you're not called to the service anymore and maybe you've pushed things too far. But that was not the only problem. The sleepwalking came back. Not only did it come back, but it was worse than ever. I wasn't on the drugs and the sleepwalking came back. I was confused. It had been four years since I stopped the drugs. Why was I sleepwalking? No sleep medication worked. In fact, it just made things worse. No doctor could figure it out. My family naturally thought I was hiding a secret stash of pain pills somewhere. I tried to assure them I wasn't, but I understood why they thought so. You have to understand the significance of this here. Here are some of the highlights of what I did while sleepwalking. You're not going to believe this. This is the this is the storm I'm talking about that we lived through the last, uh, gosh, three years. I once woke up at the neighbor's house at 3 a.m. struggling to get in their front door. It was locked. I was thinking it was my house, and I'm lucky I didn't get shot. I woke up suddenly and was like, where am I? Another time I woke up driving completely on the other side of the busy street. I barely recovered. I mean, that was one of the few times I woke up driving. Thankfully, there was only three, I think. Three times I woke up driving. I mean, I know that not that thankful, but I, I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse. Another time I woke up falling forward onto a hard surface and busted my head. I woke up falling down no less than 100 times. 
scared me to death every time. I mean, you'd immediately wake up. You know how, uh, what is it, that, that show where everybody's asleep and having dreams um, by Nolan? Uh, but anyway, you fall down. If you're falling down, you do wake up. And I, I woke up every time I was falling and in a panic because I didn't know where I was falling into and what was behind me. Um, then again, I woke up falling backwards into a sharp corner and again, busted my head open. Then, and you're not going to believe this. I was suddenly revived by a terrible taste of it. I was drinking of something I was drinking. I had gotten ammonia out from under the sink, poured it into a 16 ounce cup, 16 ounce cup, mixed chocolate milk powder into it and began to drink it. I, I don't know. For some reason I didn't die. I didn't drink that much of it though. It woke me up pretty quickly. The taste. Why would I have done that though? Ammonia. It's just bizarre. Another time I woke up with my foot broken in four places and my ligaments torn. I still have no idea what happened. Looked at all the cameras because I've got camera footage of me sleepwalking a lot because we put ring cameras up in the living room. But I still don't know how I, how I broke my foot that badly because it was bad. And miraculously, it's all better without the surgery. I mean, God's really intervened. I'm so thankful there. But uh it was bad. We had to do a lot of stuff beforehand. And some of you guys helped me out with that. Thank you. Finally, although there are a mo- lot more, I woke up in the kitchen. I'd gotten the toaster out of the cabinet, plugged it in, and got a knife and stuck it in it. My son, who was, who was there making himself something to eat, said, what are you doing? I quickly revived and remembered uh, remembered I, believing I was... Uh, Remember believing that I was cleaning it out. I did. I thought, like, I had the knife. Why would you do that? I mean, that's just picture-perfect way to try to kill yourself. Here I am with the knife sticking it in the toaster thinking, I've got to get this randomly. I've never cleaned out a toaster in my life. But here we are. I'm cleaning out the toaster. All of these things, it seemed like I had a secret death wish or I was demon-possessed. And it did. I mean, really. Now, you can understand the feeling that I had at this point, even if... I had any drive to be myself and to shake up the world. I was too scared to make any commitments. I would fall asleep while writing, standing up teaching, and recording Theology Unplugged. Back whenever I did it with Sam, Clint, Tim, Carrie, uh, I, and you may have even noticed this, some of these things. Maybe I was slurring. Maybe I was, maybe I was suddenly quiet, and I just remember their faces looking at me, not knowing what to do, uh, how to help me, and I'd At that point, I didn't know how to help. I thought it was the drugs. Stopped and it didn't stop. I had no drive, no answers, no hope for the future. I gained the weight back as quickly as I lost it. And I started, but I was still trusting in God. And he was being unusually faithful to me. But I was a mess and angry with him for my situation. Um, Christianity Today's Who's Next interview became an ironic tale of who's next to fall apart and make a fool of the faith. As I looked at the framed picture of me on that magazine, I laughed and thought they should fire the person who chose me. All this to say things were bad. That's where I was at to this point. Now we're finally getting to the point of what changed after 26 minutes. Uh, In the summer of 2022, when all the sleepwalking was at its zenith, my wife was going to get, my wife was trying to get anyone and everyone to help me figure out what was going on to help her figure out what was going on with me. Interventions with my friends and family had no effect. I became intervention master. I I don't know how many interventions I had for all kinds of stuff, but these ones, they didn't have any effect because I didn't know what to do. They just looked at me and said, Michael, look what you've become. Look at yourself in the mirror. 
I agreed, but I didn't know how to stop it. Uh, they thought it might be I might be on drugs. One time my sister and family were around for another intervention that no one knew exactly what they were intervening, and I lost it. I told them to get the F out, out of my room. Uh, I screamed at I screamed it for all the family to hear. They got scared and started to cry. I was scared too. I didn't know what they were asking me to do. Um, I mean, this was this was last summer. This was the last summer, the beginning of last summer. I didn't know. Uh, didn't they know I wanted to stop just as badly as them? I hated myself. I didn't know how to concede to any intervention, as I didn't know what was causing the problems. Now I skipped the parts about me going to the hospital seventeen times, all bouts of rhabdo and all the bouts of rhabdomyolysis, and being forced to go into the nut house twice. <laughs> great stories, I'll tell you sometime. I mean, I don't know if they're great stories. It's just, it's just crazy. Uh, the nut house. I'm sorry for calling it nut house psychiatric unit, but for me, it was kind of that's what we say around the family that I went to the nut house just as a kind of joke. So maybe I should have put something different, but I'm not. I'm not very politically correct on some stuff. But once again, in June of 2022, I found myself in a familiar place with all with three paramedics standing above me as they woke me up. Although I, couldn't, uh, although I wouldn't concede to going with them to the hospital, I never would, every, no matter how bad I was. Just whenever I was in the state, I, just, I never wanted to go. I hate hospitals. And I couldn't pay. Uh, I could not get the right question right whenever they asked me, who is the president? So they'd ask you a series of questions, and if you get it wrong, then then they have the legal right to take you in. If you get them all right, then they don't. Uh, I woke up. I woke. Let's see here. What did it say? Uh, my family tells me I said, oh, Biden. <laughs> I kind of remember doing that. And I was taking uh and I thought it was pretty close. I guess I wasn't close enough. I woke up two days later as they were taking out a breathing tube. So I was actually on a... A ventilator. They said I had encephalitis. My brain was dangerously swollen. I almost died. A very kind doctor, I believe he was a pulmonary physician of some sort, told me with great confidence that all my problems, remember him just looking over at me. I could barely, I mean, it was just, I remember his face. And he, I mean, he just, he's the person who saved my life. But uh, he looked over at me and he said that everything, my weight gain, my sleepwalking, and everything that accompanied it so far have been caused by severe sleep apnea. Remember the snoring I talked about earlier? He said that if I started using the CPAP machine, it would all stop. I didn't believe him. You must understand, I had been to the hospital so many times with all the doctors saying different things, and they were all wrong. Nothing had worked, but here he was given the simplest of solutions. I could not get a CPAP right away as I didn't have the insurance to cover it. As things were, living hand-to-mouth for so long, and these machines are expensive. However, a few months later, a wonderful person who followed our ministry said that he had an extra one and I could have it. After months, I, after, months after I got home from the hospital, I finally and reluctantly put it together, read the instructions, and put the mask on one night. I had slept, walked the night before, and expected the same thing when I used this machine. And that was the night everything began to change. I did not sleepwalk that night. In fact, here I am six months later, and I have, I have slept like a baby every night, only getting up to go to the restroom and being fully aware of it. Not only that, but 
there has been a definite change in my brain. The oxygen deprivation that had suffered that it had suffered was reversed and the cobwebs of hopelessness and fear began to subside. My confidence came back and I began to think I could change the world again. I literally slept walked through life for the last 10 years. I know I gave a few months I gave it a few now I gave it a few months before I allowed my newfound confidence to actually give me confidence. It was kind of I was kind of expecting the problems to come back within a few days, a few months or a few weeks, but it did not. I have picked up so many balls that I have dropped. After six months, here I am. I sit here writing this blog, doing this podcast, and thinking about all the things that I can do to show the world how exciting the Christian faith is. I am. I have been doing YouTube videos. You can find me on YouTube, see Michael Patton. Uh, Instagram, you can find me on Instagram, see Michael Patton. All one, one word, uh, no spaces. Writing blogs here, credohouse.org. And starting back theology unplugged, you can find that on your on your podcaster, and even doing TikToks. See Michael Patton. There you go again. I call these theology talks. I even ha- and I've been doing a daily theology that I just started. So every single day there is a minute long theology that uh, I do, around a minute. I even built a Patreon page where you can follow everything I'm doing. That's that's the important place that you go to to be able to support me now. Uh, is my Patreon page. Uh, Again, see Michael Patton. This is the basic, not so short, biographical biographical rundown of where I've been for the last 10 years and why I'm back to such a degree. So those of you who are wondering what happened to the Credo House coffee shop, you now have some of the story. I really want to bring it back as it provided such a needed ministry, not only to Oklahoma, but to the whole world. Right now, my plans are to build my personal infrastructure of support, then begin to map out exactly what to do. I have learned a lot. I am more mature, and I hope to use this and, once again, start brewing. I hope to use this and, once again, start brewing Luther Lattes, Calvin Cappuccinos, the C.S. Lewis Irish, Irish, uh, uh, cream coffees, <laughs> cappuccinos. But I thank God that part of my life is over and I wait for what he has next. I do trust that he is good in a very real sense. I wouldn't trade all of this that I've been through. I get awfully angry with God, but I really do believe that he knows what he's doing. His providential care has been the key to my hope. Even in our path, even in the, our mindlessness, even when we are drinking monia, he is king of our trials and will prevail. So now I just pray for you. I ask you to pray for me as I begin to try to take this weight off. That's the most important thing right now. Besides getting back, all that stuff's going. But now it's my commitment to get the weight off. I'm going to be cataloging that mostly on my Patreon page. But you can also find it maybe on the YouTube if you go to Credo House on YouTube. Remember, Credo House is YouTube. Uh, or YouTube is Credo House. The rest, pretty much my Facebook, everything else are C. Michael Patton without uh, any spaces. But that is the the short, long and short of it. I just uh, We've gone our full distance here on Theology Unplugged. And if you've stuck around to listen to this, I don't even know if the live worked. have no idea. But uh, I, I don't see anything coming through on the chat, which I've got a chat window here. And it says YouTube, a multi-stream, and I don't know if that's working. Let me, I'm going to say something and then, oh, <laughs> looks like I have to sign in. 
That's not good. I'm not going to try to sign in because it might knock me off. So maybe that's the reason why I didn't get any of the chat. Anyway, we'll try that better next time. I like doing these live sessions. Sometime we'll do a question answer session. The next, the next thing I'm going to be doing on Theology Unplugged is this. So keep an eye out. I am going to be going through a very detailed analysis and uh, critical analysis of the charismatic movement and me trying to become charismatic even while I'm going through it. So I don't want you to look at this and say, oh no, here's Michael, the the secessionist dispensationalist is going to come rip charismatics apart by the old, same old, same olds. No, I'm not. It's it's going to be a very, it's going to be a very uh, uh, real life engagement and it'll be very unplugged, as anything we do on Theology Unplugged is. I'm going to be doing that, and then I'm going to move in and talk about different traditions after that. I'm going to talk about you know, Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. So for the next year, I'm going to be going through a lot of Christian traditions, Baptists and Presbyterians, and really helping people to understand what is the difference in them all. So if you're interested in that, subscribe to this. Make sure it's on your, your podcatcher. Subscribe to it on YouTube, and we should be doing this weekly. I don't know about guests or anything like that. Let me just get my feet wet here once again first and I'm really excited. Thank you for all of you who have been with me the entire time and I do ask you all of you who are watching this if you would go to my Patreon page here it is on YouTube and then you can select a level to support you don't have to support Uh, you can actually just subscribe let me get to that here you can actually just subscribe right wait just a moment Nope, don't want that. I want this. No, not that. Hold on just a second. Hang with me. I'm almost there. I pushed too many buttons. Okay, so if you go through here, you can see that you can be a discipleship patron at $3 a month, all the way up to a ridiculous patron at $1,000 a month. Um, We've got 41 patrons so far, so I'm just really thankful for everybody that's a patron. Um, Here's my uh, journey. Here's my mission. And then see right here, you can share and follow. You can follow me even if you do not subscribe. That's where I'm going to be doing most of my stuff. I will try I try to agglomerate everything that I do along with the special things that I give out on the Patreon page right there. So, make sure you're you're a part of that that mix and um uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for for listening to this whole broadcast and listening to me read my blog. I'd love to hear your thoughts.